values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Frequent topic, big topic recently has been the Inflation Reduction Act and will it actually reduce inflation? The devil is always in the details. We've talked this morning with a great guest about prescription drug costs and how the average consumer is not going to see much of a benefit from that at all. But it will help people that are on Medicare, which both sides of the aisle thought was a good thing. Capping the amount of money people on Medicare would spend on prescription drugs per year. That's not a bad plan at all. Um but as it pertains to other things, uh, there were so many different issues that have come out here. Uh, one of them is about uh, the IRS and the IRS taking down um, – uh, taking down wealthy people. There's a video that was out recently uh, taking down a landscape business owner. GOP sounds alarm on the viral IRS training video. So in this training video, they are talking about um, – how they are going to take down businesses for tax evasion. And um, so this is uh, Republican Representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky posted a video showing potential IRS agents training Friday. Um, what they are doing is taking down a landscape business that isn't paying their taxes the right way. This is a big concern for small business owners and consumers is that this is going to be a very big, big change inside of the IRS. And it is going to intimidate a lot of people. And I believe that that is that is absolutely true. Uh, red hot inflation drives up costs of raising a child by over fifteen hundred dollars per year. Now that's just the child cost. You know, it's not all the other things in your household. Here's something else to pay attention to. This from Zero Hedge, which is a, a resource that gets sent to me quite a bit. My friend uh, Kristen Bent sent this to me this morning. Said this is something to watch for. This could be a big issue. At least two thousand members of the United Union at the port of uh, Felixstow in Suffolk began. This is in the UK began a strike on Sunday morning over contract disputes to boost pay amid the highest inflation in decades. Uh, so they are now, this is a huge port. It's the largest port in the UK is now on strike. More supply chain issues to follow. Um, but a couple of other things that are happening. I want you to hear Bill Maher. And uh, this is somebody that, you know, is considers himself very progressive, but has also been honestly very critical of his own party at times. And so this is him talking about the president signing a bill for the statute of limitations on fraud with the PPP loans. Uh, the president signed bills the, the other day extending statutes uh, of limitations for investigating the fraud from the COVID money. Now, back in April, we did a piece here, a very long piece because it needed it, I thought, about how much money was stolen. COVID money. Because we did write checks for, I think, $5.7 trillion when the forever flu hit. Okay. So we can argue about whether that was an appropriate amount. I think it might have been a little high. But what really pisses me off is that so much of it was stolen. So this is part of my argument about the inefficiency of government by nature. Was it necessary? But there's no oversight. If it was you that was writing the checks, it's different than when you're giving away someone else's money. When I talk about uh, when what we do and how we fix things, it's better done in the private sector. I point often, and I want to be very clear, that when I point to nonprofit organizations, those nonprofit organizations have nothing to do with my political leanings. I want to be very clear in that regard. My opinions are my opinions, and when I 
use them as examples. It's my example, not theirs. So if you're someone that disagrees with me politically, I can guarantee you this. I don't discuss the political leanings of any nonprofit organization. I deem them to be good or bad based on what they do and how efficiently they do it. That's all I grade them on. So St. Mary's Food Bank doesn't necessarily agree with me politically. The same with St. Vincent de Paul or United Food Bank or Circle the City, which works with the health care for, um, for uh, homeless people. Um, but what I look at that is, and I say these are organizations that depend on the benevolence and the kindness and the goodness of people. And you can stop donating anytime you want. And they want you to reinvest in what they're doing by doing it, doing great work efficiently and doing it in a great way. My biggest issue with the government, I'm, I don't shade everybody in the government as an evil person, but by nature, it is so inefficient. We've spent $5 trillion as taxpayers, and how much of that money got stolen? So I would say to you, and let's let's not even take it down to a very small amount. Let's say in your 401k, you find out that you are invested in a company, or even not your 401k. You work with a financial advisor to help you retire, and you find out that there's a significant amount of your retirement income that's invested in a company that had that kind of waste, you find out that they are so inefficient with their record keeping and their oversight of the money that they had money stolen from them and lost money that they have no idea where it went. They can't account for it, and they're never going to recover that money. Wouldn't you just on principle say, I don't want my money anywhere near those people? And yet this is what our government does year after year after year after year. Bill Maher goes on talking more about unemployment and the PPP fraud. Unemployment. Insurance uh, for people, $872 billion went out the door. They estimate maybe up to half was stolen. The PPP, <laughs> again, very unfortunate phraseology in that party. <laughs> that was the Paycheck Protection Program. Okay, this was small businesses trying to cover their employees who were now out of work. Um, only a quarter paid wages that would have otherwise been lost. That's incredible. And this is kind of a funny comment about him uh, and, and not wanting to be robbed. And this is the question I asked back in April, and I'm going to ask it again. It doesn't really make me a conservative, does it, that I don't want to be absolutely robbed blind? Is there some number at which I go, you know what? You are just taking my money and wasting it and letting people steal it. And he's 100% right. 100% right. So CNN analysis says falling gas prices are like a $100 monthly raise or tax cut. Isn't it funny that what's happened is gasoline went to record amounts of money. And now it's fallen back some, and thank God for that. And now you're getting a tax cut. Now look at how great this is. Except if you look at how where gas prices are right now, they're still well over a dollar more per gallon than they were for the four years of the previous administration. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, during COVID, doesn't matter. And here are the big concerns about gas prices. Yes, they're falling, and yes, I hope they continue to fall. But part of the issue is, too, that China – has been locked down again with COVID-19. And when they start climbing out of COVID and their demand goes up, then what happens? 
we see higher demand. We have done nothing to ensure in this country to ensure that the oil companies that produce the energy and the gasoline, the fuel that we need, both diesel and gasoline and and uh, heating oil and the things that we need to run things, um, there is no guarantee to those companies that they're going to exist for long periods of time. As a matter of fact, they're being told the opposite. So why would they invest the billions of dollars it's going to take to ramp up our production capabilities? And it isn't happening. So uh, this is where the problem lies in the minds of many people that don't just look at it from a political place. In a moment, um, we're going to go back to a border issue. This NPR poll finds that most people believe that our southern border is being invaded. It's no longer a problem. They're calling it an invasion. Most Americans are. Some of the details about this poll and why people feel that way coming up in just a moment. values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Part of a survey, the poll was conducted between July 28th and 29th, surveying 1,116 U.S. adults about the border. 28% of respondents believe that it is completely true that there's an invasion invasion occurring at the border, including 51% of Republicans, 24% of independents, and 12% of Democrats. In addition, 25% of respondents uh, respondents opined that it was somewhat true. 19% dismissed the idea as completely false. Um, declining support for immigration. This is the most disheartening part of this for me. The poll also reveals declining support among Americans for immigration. While 56% of respondents agreed that immigrants are an important part of our American identity, that's down from 62% in May of 2021. That people took that position, 62% back in 2021, and way down from 2018 where 75% agreed. This is where I believe we have got to get this fixed, and this should not be a partisan issue, but everything seems to be a partisan issue. When the Biden administration turns a blind eye to illegal immigration and then we've changed the verbiage in America, and I am someone who is always in favor of treating people kindly. I don't want to use words to hurt people's feelings or cast insults if I can avoid it. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but my intent is always good. We have changed – You know, every organization, every news organization has something called a style book. Now, I don't have a style book because I'm not a journalist, but there is a style book. So that there is a way that things are written when you describe things. So we have gone from, as a society, from saying illegals to illegal immigrants to undocumented immigrants to undocumented migrants to migrants. Everybody's just a migrant now. And we as a society have begun to lump everybody together, both legal and illegal immigrants, people here on a visa that are doing and contributing to the American economy and the American workforce and the American society, even though they might not be citizens, and people that are crossing our border under the uh, guise of asylum, which they know is false and we know is false. And when that happens, people begin to get angry. Do Are we concerned about other people? Yes, we are. Americans have proven since its beginnings that we are a benevolent people. We are usually the first ones in and the last ones out when there's a crisis worldwide. And not just our government, not just our government, not just the NGOs uh, that work for the government. I'm talking about the average American person. 
donating to causes. Uh, you know, with the, we are the world farm aid. All of the things that we've done throughout the years for relief in countries and relief around the world when it's been necessary. Whether it is earthquakes in Haiti or natural disasters in other places. Uh, we are always the ones that are there to help. And in our own country, Hurricane Katrina and the devastation that happened there, the benevolence of so many people. But we also understand that we have we have to be able to control our borders. The two of these ideas, the idea that you can't be kind and be benevolent and also say stop breaking our laws is is such a silly thing that we have we have somehow come up with as a normal way of thought in our society anybody that knows me in my private life if you've listened to this show at any time they match i am an advocate for immigration i have stories personal stories that i am so thankful for in my life of the people that are immigrants to this country and how they have influenced me how they have been great friends many of them my, my friend adam his parents both from mexico uh, his mother passed away years ago his father is still alive and working um what an, what a Example. What an example his father has been to me of work ethic and raising a family and working hard and success. And they took me in. You know, they they helped save me as a teenager. I would have fallen off a cliff had it not been for that family. And you know, the the Cuban families and the Russian families, the people that I know, uh, immigrants to this country, I believe, are going to save it. I always have. I've always believed that. But when you look at this report, it doesn't. The invasion part of it—that's the headline. The deeper part of this now is barely half of Americans now believe that immigration is a good thing. Barely half. It's because we have watered it down. We don't make the 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 uh, distinction between legal and illegal immigrants anymore. Now they're all just called migrants. 250,000 undocumented minors being let into this country by this administration. There is going to be frustration from the American people. There is going to be pushback. There is going to be an enough is enough attitude that people are going to have, and it's a shame. We all have seen it on the 4th of July, and it doesn't only happen on the 4th of July, but that's when it's when it's publicized. When there is a swearing-in ceremony for someone that has come to this country and gone through the process of citizenship, they raise their right hand and they swear allegiance to this country. They are sworn in as U.S. citizens with all of the benefits thereof. They, uh, they carry the little American flag with them, and we see the pictures, and I think all of us stop and think, how cool is that? But at least we used to, and I'm one of them. I think it's an amazing accomplishment, and I think it's an amazing compliment to the American people. But if we don't stop and make a distinction between legal and illegal immigration, then we are going to continue to see this slide, especially when we have an administration that has completely ignored the southern border, completely ignored the will of the American people and the laws that we have on the books. It's not about making more laws, isn't it? Wouldn't it be more about – just enforcing the laws that we have, making sure that the towns on the borders in America uh, are safe, that the fentanyl pouring into this country is stopped to some degree, that we are not busing and ta- putting people on trains and airplanes all over this country because they just it's not sustainable in the border towns. We've got to do something. We have to do something. And so far, we have done nothing. We have done nothing.
want to go back to a topic that I addressed a little earlier. The Arizona Supreme Court makes a decision about uh, ballot initiatives and how far they can go and where they are not allowed to go. I think it's a very big decision that may help Arizona going forward. I'll explain what it is and why next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks again for being here. If you have not subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast, we invite you to do it right now. It's simple to do on any device that you have. Never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast this week, brought to you by King LASIK and K2 Vision RLE, the best vision for the valley. You can schedule your virtual consult at kingk2vision.com. Um... I talked earlier about this, and it's more about our form of government than this story specifically. But specifically in this, the Arizona State Supreme Court rules that voter referendums cannot repeal tax cuts passed by the legislature. And I think that, first of all, I agree in principle with the tax cuts, so I like it in that regard. So let's be honest about our biases. But in the end, what I like about this is the power that the legislature has. So for those of you who think that I'm trying to take the voice away from the people, that's absolutely not not true, but go and do a little history. Just go and do a little search on what the founding fathers had to say about a raw democracy and how dangerous a raw democracy can be. Um, in its worst case scenario, let's go back to the Jim Crow laws here in the United States, in the southern United States. Um, do you think that if we went by a raw democracy instead of a representative republic, that those laws would have been repealed? Now, granted, those laws were, were done away with much later than they should have been. We've done the right thing for the most part in this country. And I, I still think we lead the world in so many areas. How we treat women um, as, a, as a country, our policies on the treatment of women, our policies on the differences in races. Should, can they be better? Absolutely. Should have been done sooner? Absolutely. It should have been done sooner. All that's true. But if you look at what the will of the people would have been if it had been up to a raw democracy instead of a constitutional representative republic, we would be in a much different place. And that's why we fight so hard. At least that's why I fight so hard to maintain the uh, – the. I guess the representative republic that we have, the electoral college when it comes to electing a president, uh, the idea that you have representation, you know, the house, the people's house is what the um, House of Representatives is called. And it's small districts and it's supposed to be. It, it's been gerrymandered and, and, and kind of ridiculous in many ways. But it's supposed to be a general area represented by one person. We elect someone to go and represent us in the United States Congress. But the reason why we want the state's rights issues to be the way they are, at least at least. I do is because when we disagree with people that make big decisions for us that we have no control over, and that's a lot of what's happening. You know, for people on my side of the aisle, we can we continue to wonder over and over and over again how someone like Nancy Pelosi continues to get elected and elected as Speaker of the House, where she is, if not the most, the second most powerful person in Washington. And then on the other side of the aisle, there's a lot of Republicans that they would say, how does that person continue to get elected over and over and over again? So the answer to that question is twofold. One is we should have different people voting. If we change the electorate, we'll change the elected. That's my big push. If I were running for office, I would not judge my candidacy on whether I won the election or I lost. I would judge my candidacy on how many new people I got to register to vote. 
that new blood into the electorate is what's going to make big changes. But more than that, it's about the states' rights issue. So the individual states have a right to operate the way they want outside of oppressive federal government regulation that comes with the tax dollars they take from us that they give back to us. So back to this referendum issue. Um, The big issue that is facing the Arizona state legislature, and it will be a huge problem in the next legislative session, is that they need a two-thirds majority in the House and the Senate to override something in education that was passed in 1981, I believe. If we have laws that were made in 1981 and they need to be changed, they need to be morphed, they need to be gotten rid of. The legislature ought to be able to do it without a two-thirds majority, and right now that's what it takes to override a ballot initiative passed by the voters of Arizona. Either has to be repealed by the voters in Arizona or the state legislature has to have a two-thirds majority to override it. This will be a thorn in the side of this legislature for years to come, and it's because what might have been effective – It might have been good for the state of Arizona and how different we were in 1981. In 2022, it's not even close to the same, and there's nothing that can be done outside of a two-thirds majority of the House and the Senate. So the political battle is going to happen. You're going to hear that Republicans should not be playing politics and playing political chicken with education dollars. They should just get rid of this and finally do it once and for all. And the Republicans are going to say, no, this is the law of the land. And unless we get some assurances on education dollars, we're not signing off on a two-thirds majority. And that's the way it's going to be. And it doesn't have to be that way. If we didn't have this this propositional form of government, this wouldn't be an issue. The legislature could go in and make the changes necessary to make sure the financing that we've already put in place, the funding for education is there and it's used. And so you're going to hear the holier-than-thou arguments from people saying they shouldn't play politics. But if the tables were turned and the Democrats were holding all the cards and it took a two-thirds majority and a bunch of Democrats to get there, they would want major concessions for their point of view to get things done their way. That's politics. And if we continue down the road with this small time, there are a couple of things in government – that I think we are a big, big place now. We're not tiny anymore. You know, a, a small town has a city manager. I've got nothing against the Phoenix city manager. I want to be very clear about that. I don't know the city manager. I'm not even accusing the city manager of doing a bad job. But the city manager is not an elected official. So the person making the major decisions about the budgets and the progress and the direction of the city of Phoenix is being made by a person that's not elected by you or me. And if you really want to have a major city, you run it like you run a government. You have a mayor that is a strong mayor system that is a chief executive like a governor or a president. And that's the way a a big city should operate. And this one doesn't. That's another issue I have. Growing pains. The state of Arizona has a representative republic, and we always have. We should lean on that. We should move away from these propositions. We can see the problems they cause. And the Arizona State uh, uh, um, Supreme Court now says that when it comes to money that maintains and manages the state, the legislature has final say on that, and the voters can't. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I, as a matter of fact, I would say it's a, it's a good thing. In a moment, we're going to talk about the president of the United States and poll numbers, not just for him, but the direction the country is heading. It's all coming up in a moment.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here. 74% of voters say the country is on the wrong track. And this is uh, interesting stuff in what's happening um, of how this uh, how this is going. Um, nearly uh, three quarters of Americans believe the country is on the wrong track. And that's something that needs to be con- people need to be concerned about. And I'm not just saying this so I can throw shade at the president. Um, again, I don't agree with this president's policies. I have never I just said that before he got elected. I'm in the other political party. But there is something to be considered here. And that is that when he fails, when his policy fails, America fails. I am a pro-business conservative Republican, very conservative when it comes to being fiscal to the fiscal issues. I'm a lot more libertarian on social issues, many of them. Um, it's just none of my business and for the most part. Government gets way too involved and way too much. But when it comes to being fiscally responsible, I think smaller government is better. And so I disagree with the policies of this presidency. Um, uh, there is a lot of I told you so in what's happening. And the American people, largely the very Americans that this president and and his political party have said they want to help are the ones that are suffering. And so the problem with this, too, is that you, what we have to do is unpack this. We have to be fair. When they, when it isn't the president's fault, it isn't the president's fault. There are things that happen. And I've always used the analogy of sports. Um, when you look at the head coach of a football team, when a player like the quarterback gets injured, it's not the head coach's fault. When the Arizona Cardinals lost their quarterback, one of their wide receivers, and one of their main defensive players and and pillars in the locker room in J.J. Watt last year, that was not the fault of Cliff Kingsbury. But he's the head coach, and his job is to mitigate the damage. Now, to I I'm not I am not well equipped. In the area of coaching football, I'm not Michael Bidwill. I, I'm not. I'm not Kime, the general manager. They have to assess: Did the head coach do a good job of mitigating mitigating the damage that was done by losing key players in key parts of the season? Th- that's their job, and as voters, that's our job. Has this president done a good job of mitigating the disaster that has happened with many of these issues? So even if you don't believe any of it is this president's fault, you have to agree that it's his job to mitigate the damage. There are many people that believe he has, but most people believe he has not, especially when it comes to the economy. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. We are going to see within the next year to 18 months, we are going to see a dramatic difference in how things are done from the IRS and other things. There's no doubt in, in, in that at all. Um, Governor Sununu from New Hampshire was a Republican who was not necessarily in the good graces of Donald Trump or vice versa. Talked about how badly it was handled from the Department of Justice and what happened with this warrant, uh, this uh, this search warrant into the former president, former President Trump's home. And now we know that the uh, the judge, the federal judge, has said that he is going to unseal that. 
application or that that affidavit which got them that search warrant that it may be redacted in some part but the American people have a right to see this that the Department of Justice has not lived up to or reached its burden of proof that this would somehow endanger or, or impede the investigation that it would compromise intelligence or people that were involved they haven't proven that so part of this unless they keep appealing it the Justice Department wants it completely sealed well I don't know and I don't think that it will but the American people in this I think largely want to know within the Republican Party. Donald Trump has said since he was running the first time for president, he has said over and over and it was kind of a part of a campaign stump speech. They're not after me. They're after you. I'm just in their way. And that was part of the the mantra from the Trump camp. What this the appearance of what this search warrant does to those supporters has solidified that fact. Now, you don't have to agree with it, but you have to acknowledge what it's done. The way they did this with the lack of transparency, there are those that believe because they cannot stand the former president that this is justified, not only justified, but necessary. And unless you can put away your bias and look at this and say, if it happened to our side of the aisle, if during the Trump administration, the FBI had raided the home of Hillary and Bill Clinton, how would you have felt? Now, you know how you would have felt. You would have said it was an overreach, that the president of the United States was weaponizing the Justice Department and the FBI. That's exactly what would have happened. So before you jump down my throat for pausing with this, think about how you would feel. Hillary Clinton destroyed a server, completely wiped it. It took them years to get back any of those emails. And then she mocked it when she was asked. Nothing was done. There's a huge part of our society that didn't vote for her because of that. But she was never held legally accountable. And now you've got the FBI raiding the home of a former president. So if you don't understand, it's because you are so politically blinded that you are just you just can't stand the former president and you want him gone by any means necessary. I want you to hear very quickly. Um, uh, well, I guess we don't have time. I was going to let you hear a little bit of what Governor Sununu had to say. but We don't have time to do it. Um but when we look at the ability for the American people to make moves and become better people and become more successful, it takes money. It takes either their own money that they save, which they're not able to do right now, or it is getting investors to invest in their ideas, which is becoming less and less possible because of the taxes that are going up on the job creators. No one's going to invest in somebody else's idea, the hard-earned money that they have, only to find out that most of the time these things fail. But even when they are successful, the, governor's, the government's going to take a bigger piece of it. They're just not going to play. They are going to hide their money the way they hide their money, and they're going to sit back and wait for a friendlier administration, and I think that's what's in our future. As a matter of fact, I know that's what's in our future. Just after 11 o'clock, we're going to talk about education. Is there a national security risk when it comes to our education? Of course, we're going to do Did You Hear This? as we do every day at 1120. And we're also going to talk about falling gas prices. Is it really like a tax cut? So it should be a big hour of the show. But right out of the gate, we're going to talk about education. And at least one person is saying we are at a national security risk. Is that true? Next.